you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza. And today I have a very special guest. Jason B. Kendrick is joining me from Colorado. Now, Jason and I had the pleasure to have a really in-depth conversation just last week. I was Jason's guest on his podcast, Connection Cafe, and we had a really wonderful time. So it's my pleasure to welcome Jason here today, and I'll read his bio very quickly for you. Jason, this is a conversation I've been looking forward to. So for the listeners, Jason B. Kendrick is a communications and mindset specialist, author, speaker, Reiki master, hardcore communications trainer, and heart-centered living practitioner. He offers himself to the world in love and service to cultivate peace, love, and joy within all he works with. And as I mentioned, Jason is the host of a couple of podcasts, actually, Connection Cafe, where I've been his guest, and Mad Men of Masculinity. And um, maybe Jason will tell us some more about that. Now, he's also my co-author in the compilation that's available now, Breakdown to Wake Up. Jason, welcome to Decide to Transform. Thank you so much, Tomas. It's great to see you again. It's been so long. It uh, yes, and and in fact, for the listener, it's been roughly oh I don't know what uh, three days or four, I don't actually remember. I've lost track. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, I think about a week, and then by the time this posts, it'd probably be about a month or so. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's I mean, and that's what's so much fun about this is all the co-authors and us getting together and, and getting to have these conversations, and it's, it is so much fun because. I think just the sharing of our experiences is, is impactful and just the sharing of our stories is, is going to be very impactful for a lot of folks. I know in my experience and maybe for you as well, just the sharing of my story and having to go maybe a little deeper than I would normally go and to really kind of get in depth of that story was, was uh, very, very cathartic in, in my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that um, all of us that, that have written and contributed a chapter, as I have, would, uh, would be able to say the same thing. So, Jason, if you don't mind, uh, tell, tell the listeners, what is this? What's Breakdown to Wake Up, and what's this all about? Well, from the way I understand it, it was really about us sharing our personal stories of how we dealt with our traumas or our tragedies or those things in life that may not be the most uh, positive in our perspective and how we overcame those and, and what that led to. And then, and in my chapter, it was very much about my relationship with my father and how that ended up leading me to my purpose in life, which really is to help heal the father-son relationship in this country and the world. Because in my experience, my father and I never were never able to have the relationship we both really wanted. We didn't have the training. We didn't have the tools. It, Societally, it wasn't really as comfortable to to do that kind of work in a lot of ways. And then, of course, we had yeah. a difference in generations, and so that has kind of led me down this path to working really towards 
healing that father son wound and then in doing so helping to heal the family and the community uh wounds that come from the i don't want to say toxic masculinity i really hate that term but the unhealthy mm -hmm. or uneducated masculine uh, yeah, and, and so a bit of context for the listener, uh, on Connection Cafe a few days ago, Jason and I talked about coming from a military background, and uh, both of our fathers served in the military, mine did in the Marine Corps, and then later on in the Air Force, and uh, that was the context behind this. So. Yeah, Jason, this is the, the subject of your chapter. Then, yeah, what's a, what would you like to share from your story about that? Well, I, probably the easiest, I mean, the, the title of my chapter is Those Who Can Do, Those Who Can't Teach. And really because of my experience, it, I, I was led down this path because these were the things I needed for myself. It was mm -hmm. one of those things where because we didn't have the upbringing, the training, the the open mindset to have those conversations, to have that healthy father-son relationship. I mean, in his story, his father died when he was five in an accident, in a drunk driving accident. So he oh. was raised by a single mother and, and his two older sisters babysit him a lot. So he never necessarily had a consistent positive male role model in his life. And then of course mm -hmm. he was only 23 when I came along. So he did the best job he could. And of course, coming from, you know, being born in, in the mid 70s and growing up in the 80s, that time frame was very much, you know, both my parents worked and he was, they were both in the army. And so we had that kind of societal conditioning of what well, we're providing and that's my job, but there's not much connection and intimacy or real um, cohesion in the family unit at, at that time. So I didn't feel necessarily we had a close connection as father and son and in some ways right. that was part part of the issue is that as i got old you know in in most parental relationships once when the child's younger and there's a very clear dynamic of parent and child it works out fairly well it's, there's not there's not much contention mm -hmm. you know there is a hierarchy and that works fine of course however when you get into the child becoming an adult then there's this recalibration and some of the sometimes that goes well sometimes it doesn't and in my case it didn't go very well because it went against that hierarchical structure that we had set in place. And so as we attempted to connect, you know, there was a wanting to, and I know from his side a lot that he wanted to keep it him, him the superior father and me, the subordinate son. Mm. And I was wanting to step into my own adulthood and my own masculinity, my own um, personality. And so there was a lot of contention there because a lot of, we, I, I always, it, I describe our relationship very much like we are two sides of the same coin. We very much had a very similar soul, very much similar heart. We had, had you know, at our core, we were very much the same, but then we had, were, had two opposing viewpoints. And so it was mm -hmm. very hard for us to come together on a viewpoint or a thought, thought process. And so that led to a lot of that contention. And then, you know, you can, you can say agree to disagree all you want, but then there's still that part of you that really wants to go, but, see me and hear me and, and acknowledge me and so that has led very, very much down to to what i do today okay yeah well and you said a lot there that uh, that i think people are going to want to unpack a little bit um you know at, at what point did you become aware in in your relationship with your father that there that you wanted 
more of a connection? It, I think, I would have to say in my teenage years, however, I think at that time I was more focused on socializing and, and being a teenager and, and, and being out of the house as much as possible. So it was yeah. really in my mid to late 20s and he went through uh, his second divorce around that time. Mm. And it was, it was kind of a shock to the system sort of thing. Cause I do remember I had moved back into the area and I would, for a while I stayed with him until I found my own place and just kind of felt in my heart kind of bad for him. Cause he just looked a little bit defeated and just didn't seem to have much passion or anything. He just worked and then came home and read and that was about it. And I would ask him if he wanted to go out and play pool or do something and, mm -hmm. Oh no, no, I'm fine. Uh -huh. Well, and then after, and it was all, I mean, it was just night and day after his, he left his, um, moved out from his second wife. It was all of a sudden, Hey boy, let's go drink a beer. Let's go play some pool. Let's get out of here. Let's do this and that. And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Who is this guy? And in a lot of ways, I, and I, I wrote a, a, about it in my chapter as well. There's, I have a lot of guilt around that time because it was just such a shock to the system at the time. For me, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't, I didn't know how to look at him as now my buddy and my friend. We had spent so much time in this established father-son relationship. And so I feel like I missed a great opportunity there to really get to know him as a person and to really um, ha have a, a deeper connection that way. Right. Well, and, and then, you know, in the context of our, our conversation from a few days ago, you all were always traveling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Being... Yeah. I mean, and at that time he had stayed, he had retired from the army and was running his own business and was pretty much stayed put, but I wasn't, I had graduated high school, mm -hmm. gone to the air force, had come back. And then I had realized I didn't necessarily want to stay in that area. So then I moved to Colorado for a winter season and then went back and then had made the decision to come back and make this my full-time home. And it was during that time was when his, he left his, his second wife and we had that interaction. And so it, I felt bad in a lot of ways just because I was already planning to leave. I already had my plan in place. And so we had this small window of opportunity that I did. I felt like I didn't take advantage of. And that led some to some of the, contention for me it wasn't really with him it was just for me going oh i wish i had been more aware at the time of course i was i think only 23 at the time or 22 yeah so there wasn't a lot of this forethought you know it wasn't like the big picture <laughs> thinking so sure you know, looking back now i go oh i could have handled that better mm. well i think a, a lot of us can look back at when we were 22 and you know think okay well i was clearly focused on one thing and that was the next party uh, but yeah well so then uh, this is something that's, uh, that's very interesting that that uh, you know it was less maybe uh, as you just mentioned a contention with him and that, that there was a window of time that that, uh, that you all weren't able to seize on so what did you do with that realization at that point well and and that's kind of Part of why I think I have such guilt around that or, or don't have a, a settled feeling with that whole time frame was at the time, like I said, I was 22, 23. I didn't think much of it. I mean, there, it didn't feel quite settled. It wasn't really until years later when he actually was sick and um, right before he passed that I started looking back on all these things and going, oh, that was a missed opportunity. That was a missed opportunity. All these different times where we could have, and of course, we used to joke and it was one of those things that kind of 
helps encapsulate our relationship because of our lack of training and our lack of skills as communicators and, and being able to connect on a deeper level uh, with each other. We used to joke that no news was good news. And so we'd go weeks, months, and sometimes almost a year without even speaking. Uh-huh. And it was just this, well, if we don't hear from each other, everything's fine. And so that was kind of our band-aid over the bullet hole as it were to cover up this lack of connection even though we wanted one we didn't know how to do it and even as i got older and learned some more things and got into personal development and attempted to bring some of those skills and those new teachings to him at that time he was very much you know set in his ways and i was the the searcher and the new student coming over with all these new things that he was Mm -hmm. like meh i'm not interested in that uh, okay. And so uh, the, by these new things, um, what, what were you referring to? Well, in, um, I think it was 23, I've always been a, a, a student. And so I've been mm-hmm. into personal development and spiritual development and theology and philosophy and all these things. And around 2013, this was, it coincided when he first got his cancer diagnosis that I went to, uh, the training with Psy Seminars, which is the Personal Success Institute. So it's one of like the big three person development companies in the States. Mm -hmm. And so I did their basic, which is their three-day training. And it really gets into our core belief systems and how that affects our thought process, which affects our actions and these things. And uh, also how we listen, our personality types, all all these different ways of actually understanding the differences in people and how to better connect. Mm-hmm. And of course, some of those things, and I, I realize now, some of those things kind of flew in the face of our established hierarchy, father-son relationship. So I'm coming at him with this yeah. new thought process, like, hey, dad, here's this new thing. You should really look at this and, and, and we should play with this. And he's like, eh, I've been this way this long and this is how we are. So, you know, and of course, as he was getting sick, his his focus was much more on just daily survival and, and going through his chemo and his treatments. And so mm-hmm. it was in, in some ways a little too little too late kind of thing because he he didn't have the bandwidth and the energy to really focus on that. There was so much more going on with his health and his family and everything else. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we do the best we can with what we have when we have it. And sometimes we get those tools a little late. Right. Yeah, well, and, and we get them, and then um, you know. So, how do you uh, how do you feel knowing that you have these tools now, and you're doing all of this work for people? I feel like it's. I don't want to sound contrite, but I feel like a lot of times this was kind of divinely guided for me to have this experience and for him to pass before we could reconcile and really create that relationship we both um, desperately wanted and didn't have the skills to do. And okay. because of that pain, it inspires me to, to want to help heal that and, and not to, to help other men and, you know, with their sons and their fathers to, to not have to have that experience of, Oh, well now he's gone mm-hmm. and, and there's no way to, to heal this wound. And how can we do this now? And so that's part okay. of my passion for this work is to really, do the father-son work and, and, and educate men in their families, in their relationships with their sons, with their wives on all these different things that help us become better communicators, help us create mm-hmm. more connection, more compassion and more intimacy in all of our relationships. Right. Yeah. Um, in, in, in all of our relationships. I mean, you just nailed it right there for sure. 
So there's a lot of a, a healing dimension going on. And I've been meaning to ask you, as you've been sharing here, first of all, thank you so much for, for sharing this story, which is included in your chapter, correct, in, in yes. Breakdown to Wake Up. And we'll say some more during this show about that compilation, because it is available for purchase right now as we speak. And, you know, as far as, uh, Jason, as far as your own healing journey what uh, what stands out, whether it's a modality or an experience or a person, maybe all three, you know, what has helped you in your healing journey? I think the biggest thing that has helped me is, is learning to be present. Um, hmm. Going through, and it's, it's hard to say sometimes because there are stages and there are times. And so in my teens and twenties, it was really about the party and the, the socializing and the getting out. And so I wasn't really concerned about personal development. And then once I got to about 28, 29, then that phase was ending in my life. And then it's like, okay, well, well now what? And that's yeah. when I was introduced to a lot of the spirituality and the metaphysics and, the, and, and a lot of the things that inter interest me now, a lot of more the spirituality side of life, because when you're out partying and it's just about socializing, you're not thinking about what are those spiritual ramifications or how do I become spiritually healthy or even physically, emotionally healthy. And so it was at the end of that time frame, and, I, and a lot of these things just naturally came into my life. It's like, oh, here's your next chapter. And I began to study very in-depthly about yeah. a lot of these topics. And that really led me down the path of finding my own thing, which ironically or if I look at it from a more choice point of view or, or divinely guided point of view, that also led to a lot of the contention with my father at the time. Oh, sure. I was coming into my own and going, well, what about this? What about that? And I wanted to have these discussions with him and there wasn't a lot of openness. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of like, I felt like, and, and this was kind of, I mean, he was in the military and that was very much a, a military mindset. It was kind of my way or the highway. These are the rules. This is the structure and this is how we do it. Mm -hmm. And so as I, every time I wanted to introduce something else, like, Hey, what about this? Think about this. I was like, Nope, that doesn't fit my paradigm. So it's not, it's not going to go in there. Yeah. And so for me, the journey is really what led me to the healing. This really what led me to the, the passion and the purpose because it was what I needed for myself. And I'm very much a Course in Miracles student in that way that we teach no. best what we most need to understand. Yeah. And so yeah. that has become my mantra since, I mean, I started studying the course. It's been 12, 12 or 13 years now. And I was oh, really okay. introduced to it. And that was something that just struck me and struck a chord with me. And it's been basically my personal mantra mm. as I, as I move forward that why am I so interested in these things? And why would I teach these things? Well, I need them. Mm -hmm. These are the things I need for myself. And if I need them, then someone else will most likely need them as well because we're all connected. Yeah. We're all humans. So yeah. sharing that journey, just like we did with mm -hmm. Breakdown to Wake Up, sharing our stories of that trauma and that time or you know breakdown in our life where it really showed us what we needed to heal or where we needed to go and what, what our work was meant to be. Yeah, well, and, and it's so interesting that you mentioned A Course in Miracles. A, a number of uh, listeners on this uh, of this podcast are students of A Course in Miracles themselves. So, uh, and if you're you're not familiar with it, this is the spiritual text, A Course in Miracles, and uh, it's it's some really really well in depth, good uh, practical 
stuff there. So that that's that's very interesting. That has been a huge component of, of your own journey. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I've, I've always been in love with the course. I mean, I grew up in the in the South, and it started out as Southern <laughs> Baptist, and then as we moved to other areas, we we went to Episcopalian and. And then I did have my own normal teenage atheist time where, you know, there's no God, all that right, stuff. Right. And right. it was, that didn't last too long for me. It was, it was soon after that. I think I was having a conversation with my father about something and he actually gave me Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and then the Messianic Legacy, which were a lot of the, the historical uh, books on the, the history of Jesus and the, the church and a lot of that stuff. And that just got me interested in theology. So then I started on my own studying the basis and the, and the theological histories of a lot of the, the religions. And it was, became very apparent to me very quickly that all these different religions at their core were basically saying the same thing with their own translation yes. or their own version. And for sure, so getting to something like the course, which is very black and white, very basic. It doesn't overcomplicate things. You know, it's either love or a call for love. It's, you know, yeah. we, we are here on our path and if we share our path and then we find our purpose. And mm -hmm. so having that be very simple, and I've always felt that way. Some of your audience may agree or disagree, but I always found that the truth is very simple. Oh, very. It's not, not convoluted. I, I find the ego is much more convoluted. We got to make it difficult. It's got to be hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, I tend to, I tend to uh, follow Einstein's philosophy on that. If you cannot explain something simply, you don't really understand it. So everything I do and everything I want to impart is I do yeah. my best to make it as simple as possible. Right. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that uh, most of the listeners of this show would, in fact, understand it. And in fact, if you're listening and you don't, then I invite you to tune in to all of the shows. So uh, that's a call to action right here. Join us, join us, join us. Yes. Um, and, and soon you may, right? So this is, uh, this is interesting that you've been doing this work really in one fashion or another for a number of years. So when you're working, let's just take for the sake of uh, example here, the father-son context. But what does that work look like when you're working with people like this? A lot of times it kind of follows a, a simple three-step of education, awareness, and application. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's, you know, the, the four stages of learning are, you know, unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know. Conscious incompetence. Yeah. Now I know I don't know that. Now conscious competence of, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to become competent. I want to learn this thing. And then unconscious competence is mastery, where now it becomes a skill. It becomes something that you've created a habit on. And so I tend to follow that with my coaching and my trainings is to educate them on the things they don't know. Because a lot of times we're in, I don't want to say victim of, but we, we don't know what we don't know. So don't realize that this may be an issue or this may be a challenge. And so there's that education of, well, this is my experience that I had with my father. This is my experience I have with other men that I've worked with. Yeah. Here's what we've learned together or they've learned individually and we've shared the commonalities. How does this apply in your life? And so we get, generate that personal awareness and then it's how do we apply this into your life? And it's been it's been very satisfying and 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 work because watching somebody who didn't know something, watching a father who didn't realize just out of lack of training or ignorance that mm -hmm. what he was doing may be impacting or that he may not be as open to his son being who they are, their own personality as he may have thought. Right. As right. we tend to we tend to repeat and and re and emulate what we were taught or what we experienced 
Yes. And so it's just repeating that cycle. And so finding men who are ready to break that cycle and have healthy, uh, more connected, intimate relationships with their sons or their wives or their daughters or anybody else in their mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the, the, the basic three steps. It's just that education, awareness, and then action and application. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. So what, um, what kind of, uh, I guess, what kind of um, acceptance or, or resistance have you encountered in offering these services? I mean, have there been a lot of, of men that have been really receptive or is it a process for them? A lot of times it is a process. I mean, you'll find um, the fewer percentage of people, of men are, very and most of those men you would find are already in their personal development they're already digging they're already looking they're already yeah. a student for mm-hmm. a lot of men because of socioeconomic training and just how our society is set up they're still in the stuff it down and then they have a kind of adopted mindset that if i look at myself then that means there's something wrong with me or mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. i need personal development means there's something wrong with me which really isn't the case although that's how it's perceived and so a lot of times it's walking through that that door of there's nothing wrong with you though you can still improve there's nothing wrong with you as you are though we are all in growth we're all on this path and we're all changing and and growing so we either do that consciously or a lot of times what tends to happen with most men is the two by four you know ignore 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 and then you get the two by four upside the head and now you are forced to change so you can either change consciously gradually or in trauma Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then that's actually my, uh, my chapter, different context. I got the two by four. So <laughs> yeah. Most of us do. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I certainly did. And, um, you know, I can, I can completely relate to that. So, you know, how long on the average do you, do you work with, um, you know, let's say in a father son context i mean is this something that that people can expect to work on over a period of of weeks or months or what does this all look like well most of my coaching the way i have is it set up is that there's a three-month minimum because Mm -hmm. it takes at least 90 days usually to really create a new habit and to really ingrain that habit as a skill yeah and also a lot of times will take that long to just dig down to what's the underlying story sometimes it takes it's a process of generating trust and then camaraderie and then digging and mm-hmm. and then, of course it's different for every man there are some men i've met who are just at that breaking point they're hit rock bottom they're just done and they're ready to change and they will do whatever is needed to do and they usually can change very quickly but then it's interesting because even as they are changing very quickly they're learning so much they still want that support. They still want that guidance because a lot of times as we go through our shadow side or we go through our traumas, we can get into the blinders. So it's nice to have that outside perspective to go, well, don't forget this. And what about that? And, you know, look at this side of things so that they don't become one-sided in growth or they don't miss something that's very important because it's a using a holistic approach of that we yeah. have the, the mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical sides of ourselves. And we need to look at all those sides, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just the one. So it varies from client to client, but on average, I, I like to do at least three months. Some people stay with me for six months or a year. Some people do three months and they've got enough and then they'll check back in when it's the next time something comes up. So yeah. it is personal, but yeah, okay. I always ask people to expect to spend at least three months with me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. digging in and it's up to them how much they do and how quickly they do it. 
And then beyond the three months, it's a month to month sort of agreement that I will be here and be of support as long as you need me. And even if you don't need me, I'm still here, but maybe at a lesser capacity. But yeah, three months is usually a good, good way to kind of gauge how much work, how much time I want to put into it. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and so here's a question for you. What would you say to guys that are out there, um, and this applies to, to women as well, um, you know, what, um, what would you say to people that are looking at doing this kind of work, but maybe they're skeptical about it? Uh, maybe they're actually, you know, whether they admit it or not, afraid to go into it. You know, what would you say to these folks that are maybe on the fence of, of this kind of process? I like anything else. I mean, it, it's going to be uncomfortable, but our growth lies outside our comfort zone. And so if you can become comfortable in the uncomfort, then you'll have, you'll, you'll have a friend for life because you'll be constantly in that growth. And I think that's really the thing is we have been trained or indoctrinated to believe that at some point we'll find a, 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 a status or a stagnation point. Like we'll get to a certain point, then we plateau. But that plateau is an illusion. Nothing, nothing in life is, is it's either in growth or it's in decay. So if you think you're on a plateau or you found your spot, then you're, you're on a slow decay. So if we can adopt a growth mindset and, and steer away from that fixed mindset and say, okay, I'm no matter how old I am or uh, where I'm at in life, I'm still growing because life is constantly changing. Life is constantly in flux and we all, they're all different cycles. So if I can adopt a, growth mindset in that I'm always changing and I want to grow, it will help a lot of times get you to that consistent gradual growth versus the two by four. It helps you to yeah. have these more conscious, mm -hmm. you're, 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 you're more participatory in your own growth, in your own life than being reactionary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, there's so much in there about being an, an active participant because so often people just adopt and, and we're indoctrinated. As you said, I love that word. It's indoctrination um, in all of us, whether it's a military context or not, it's society at large. We're learning, 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 learning all the time. And there's a lot of that where people don't take responsibility for their own experience. And yeah. you know, this really helps it, it does i mean i mean this is the third published book project i've, I've been a part of i've done my okay. first two and then i have others i'm working on but as part of my own journey i had to, mm -hmm. to do that perspective work so like the first two books that are there behind me are on the power perspective because i had to i was so indoctrinated into this western southern victim mindset of oh it's the country's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my neighborhood. You know, it's like where I grew up in our financial upbringing. So it's the fault of all these things that I am where I am. And of course, as we know, that may be true as a child. You may be a victim of those circumstances. However, once you become an adult, it's your responsibility to heal and deal with those things. Mm -hmm. And I found it much more helpful to to regain my power through looking at my life through a point of choice instead of looking at it like I'm a victim to my parents and to all these things. What if at some level I chose these parents and this upbringing and this background to have those experiences to lead me exactly where I am today. And it's much 
I find it much more empowering. It, it can mm -hmm. be a hard pill to swallow for a lot of folks who've had trauma in their childhood and, and sure. a lot of abuse and things. But mm -hmm. even if you don't accept it on the outset, just taking asking that question can start to get your power back. And as you get your power back, then you're more yeah. empowered to go, okay, I'm I'm leading this train. I, I'm I'm at the controls versus oh I'm just mm -hmm. along for the ride. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, it's a journey, and it's a prevalent. It's a it's a prevalent mentality of, of poor me because we all want to. Uh, well, we don't want to feel awful, so it's natural to want to project that out. Now, you referenced a couple of books. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about those? Your first two books. Well, they're, they were kind of their own journey in themselves. It was, as I was 29, I went to my first metaphysical fair and I started learning about all these different spiritual metaphysical topics. I was yeah. in line going to see one of my mentors. I didn't know he was going to be my mentor, but at the time he was just, this was my first introduction to him. Okay. But I'm talking to a gentleman. He's like, oh, well, maybe you're an indigo. Maybe you should write a book. Maybe you're the, the next wave of, of teachers or whatever. And I'm like, at the time, like, yeah, whatever me, write a book. Okay, sure. <laughs> just planted that seed though so it was kind of that divine guidance we get where some stranger says something that they know will never remember what they said but yeah. it just plants that seed and sparks something and so i started this journey of of exploring exploring writing and journaling and, and getting these things out and of course my first ex, you know ex, dive into writing was this stream of consciousness just blah like everything just came out on the page all over the place uh -huh. all at once and it went all uh -huh. over the place and and then i made the mistake at the time or actually i won't say it was a mistake because it was very informative but i showed my father that like look because he wanted to be a writer too and he had written some things but didn't really take them anywhere I'm like look what i did look what i wrote and of course he kind of tore it apart and said well it's just all over the place there's no structure and this and that and after i licked my wounds and said oh ow i was like well that was great advice. So I created a structure to write my books and then <laughs> mm -hmm. went down that path of what is, what is forefront for me now? What, what do I need to express? And it was really about that power perspective and along with like the law of attraction and using that mindset of choice. Mm -hmm. I, I may have chose this at some point. So what am I learning? What am I gaining? What is it? Where is it leading me? And I think that's one of the things that is most prevalent when you get into that more spiritual mindset or, or the metaphysical mindset that at some level there's a plan there's a path there's a roadmap, and you can either ignore it or you can look at your experiences and your path and all these different things to give you some sort of indication of what you wanted to learn and, and do in this in this incarnation yeah yeah, and I think that's something that uh, that I mean, for you it came a little bit after uh, there was an acceptance that okay, well maybe we did have a, a plan for things that we absolutely want to work on. So, what are the titles of your first two books? Uh, it's it's not your life, it's you: a layman's guide to the power perspective, and then it's not your life, it's you: a deeper journey into the power perspective. So it's a book okay. one, book two, and they they very much stand alone, and you can read them in sequence or it's a, what I've, I've, I've been fond of doing, it's like, what's your favorite color, blue or green? And then I'll give them whichever All copy right. they, they choose. And that's kind of how, you know, get them in the choosing process. However, it's really an interesting process because even in those, I became very aware of how much I do channel, how much mm. the information flows through me. Because there's a lot All of times right. I go, when I go back and read through those books, I'm like, wow, that's really good stuff. Who wrote this? Oh, wait, that, that was me. 
or that okay. came through me. And it's, ah. it's, a, very, it's a very eye-opening experience to realize that some of this information was channeled through you or comes mm-hmm. through you from, from a, a higher self or a higher source or higher dimension. And then to go back and go, wow, okay, that was really, really good, powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is that an experience that you have often? Usually when I get into coaching or when I do a lot of my raking reading sessions, or even when I'm writing, once mm-hmm. I'm in that, that flow state, that in, inspired state, which I mean, we get to the root of inspired is in spiritus or in spirit. So it's that zone yeah. that the zone that the athletes talk about that, that, that out of the conscious mind space where all that wisdom and, and information can flow through. And that's why I practice so much being a heart centered living practitioner, because the heart is the master organ, not so much the brain, like we've been taught, right? The heart is the one that sends a lot of the information to the brain that it guides and leads things and also gets us present mm-hmm. in the moment. And mm-hmm. when you're in that present space, then you have those magical manifestation miracles of, channeling or insights or being in that synchronistic flow of, of life where things just seem to happen for you yeah. and you're just along for the ride. And mm-hmm. that's been kind of part of that. I think that was, those books were very much a guidepost for me because that was really my experience. They're like, here's a signpost, here's a, here's a, a download or intuition. And I just, without thinking too much about it, I just followed it. Well, now I'm writing a book and here's the structure I created and here's the content. And now, yeah. When I got into the, even the typesetting and publishing, I it was just introduced to people. They're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, here, do this. Oh, here, do this. So it, it was this very easy flow of right. things just coming together. So it's, it's, yeah. it, it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me uh, quite a bit of A Course in Miracles. One of the teachings that uh, the listeners that are familiar with this philosophy will, will recognize where, um, you know, as, as students of A Course in Miracles, uh, human beings are instructed essentially to get out of our own way by allowing in the course philosophy the holy spirit the universal inspiration our teacher to run the show like completely run the show so now now given that you've done that for 12 or 13 years that you've been a student of the course which i think will really interest a lot of people you know it's really the flow uh, to be in it what does it feel like for people that may not have that experience all the time it feels a lot like play it's yeah, um, you're, yeah. you're out of your head you're not and that's the thing it really helped me when i started getting to studying joe Dispenza's work and really learning about mm-hmm. neurobiology and and how the brain works and realizing that it is a, a dualistic machine you know it's past or present or it's past yeah. and future not present and it's always looking at judgment. It's judging your safety. It's judging the, the validity of things in your environment. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to be creative and be in the flow when you're constantly in the judgment state of, sure. is this good? Is this safe? Is this healthy? Is this not, a, you know, or is this for me? Or is this, you know, good or bad? Whatever the judgment is. Mm-hmm. And getting into the heart space where that innate intelligence resides or where it, it, it communicates with you really gets you out of the head into that flow state. And then it is like play because mm-hmm. when you're playing, you're not thinking about time. You're not thinking about past and future. You're, you're just present in the moment. And then when you're present in the moment, you will naturally flow with those synchronicities. You'll naturally pick up those hints and those little clues like go this way, go that way, follow this thing. And it's just that following your highest excitement or following 
what is brought to your attention. Like, oh, mm -hmm. well, that's that caught my attention. I should go that way. And it does it does coincide with neuroscience as well, because when you get into the brain and how the reticular activating system works, it's designed to focus on what you need. If you're hungry and you're driving down the road, you'll notice that all of the restaurants are highlighted like in neon and everything else is kind of grayed out because what you need is food. And so your brain is going focus food over here. Mm -hmm. And it can work the same way with even in the flow state where you're being guided to something that's loving or something that's in the next, your, your next adventure and your brain will follow that impulse to, and, and highlight that for you. And so you go, Oh, that caught my attention. So let me follow where my attention is being drawn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, for listeners that have had this type of experience, you'll be able to relate, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate your sharing a little bit more about what that felt like, because this is something that, that I think people seem to want to have, but not everybody has had this direct experience. So with all of the various types of work that you do, what do you love the most about doing what you're doing? I love what my favorite thing, and this happens quite a bit when I get the opportunity to talk to a couple, even before we work together, just having okay. that conversation and just watching their shoulders drop is one of my mm -hmm. favorite things watching mm -hmm. because we've been taught for so long that relationships are hard and their work and it's, it's a challenge and raising kids is a challenge and all these different things. And yes, they are. However, it, it doesn't have to be so challenging or such work when you are more open to and understand their basic personality type or that they they are their own person and that they have differences because mm -hmm. we tend to relate to each other as we would relate to ourselves instead of like relating to this person as a different person. And why do you do those things? I don't understand. And so just having those little conversations of awareness, like, oh, well, men process information this way and, and women process information this way. And this personality type does is, is ruled by this story and, and vice versa. And then you kind of see them. And it's usually the woman the demands more slow, usually are processing the information, but the, the wife or the girlfriend would be like, oh, that's why you do that. I always wondered. And then you see mm -hmm. their shoulders start to drop and relax because they realize it's hard because we're not aware. We, we don't get into the inner workings of our partner and we really understand them uh -huh. where okay. we feel like every time they react or have a, 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 a response to something in a negative way or in a way we don't agree with, we think it's our fault. Mm, right. Because they're not, we're not looking at all the different aspects of that person. And, and honestly, I feel like when you're in a relationship, using that relationship for the purpose of healing and growth to be supportive of each other is really the core should be, and I, I don't like to use the word should, ought to be the core reason you're together, like the goal. And I think right. that's where a lot of us are missing out in relationships. We don't create a goal. Mm -hmm. just, our goal is just to be together and see what happens. But there's no real goal of what is this relationship for? What are we, why are we together? And that's another of those course truths, course miracles truths of what is this for? Yeah, what, yeah. Why are we together? What is this relationship for? And, and what is our purpose? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I love watching the, them relax, the, 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 the stress start to fall out of their face and their shoulders. And they're like, oh, right. is that yeah. awareness? It doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's hard because you don't understand the person you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. When you understand that person, then it's much easier. You get them, you know why they react that way. And then you can be more supportive of them in their journey 
versus reactive of, well, don't be upset. Why are you acting that way? Especially for you guys. I mean, mm -hmm. we guys, we always want to fix it. Sure. So your, yeah. your woman's upset. She's crying. She's been triggered. And we're like, well, what do I do to fix it? How can I fix it? How can I stop it? Instead of really stepping into that natural masculine place of holding space, of being that container for the feminine to flow within. Yeah. We yeah. create a boundary, a safe container, and allow them to be emotional. And, and it's, it actually is much less work than we make it if we can be heart-centered and be present and just hold that space. And then that way, when you're present, you can respond to what's needed versus reacting yeah. and, and trying to right. come yeah. up with something like exactly manufacture something yeah. or you know pull it out of what well, you know where right <laughs> yeah well yeah. and you know we had this conversation the other day and uh, well uh, guys it is easy in fact it's simple and in fact it's effortless uh, yeah. Well, and, and Jason, so you're doing all of um, all of this work in various different contexts. So if someone were to want to seek more information from you or, or work with you, how would people get a hold of you? I'm pretty easy. I, I did my best to make it as simple as possible. So jasonbkendrick.com is my website. If you look me up on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, it's jasonbkendrick, all one word. Um, and I do, I, I work within the capacity of love relationships, basic life coaching and business because a lot okay. of the, pretty much everything I, I work with is ubiquitous with life because it's all about relationships and connection and other people. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so yeah. I can tailor any of the work I do to businesses, big and small individual right. relationships. Cause I do, I work with singles, couples, small businesses, big businesses, just basically doing a lot of the same training around how to be a better communicator and how to okay. be more open to another person being who they are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, the, the website address then is Jason B. Kendrick, J-A-S-O-N-B as in boy, K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K, jasonbkendrick.com. All right. That's it. And I will apologize to all your listeners who do go to the website. It is going to be updated. I'm not the best web developer, so it is kind of antiquated. Although the information is still there, if you don't mind clicking tabs and looking around. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think people uh, will be able to relate to a website in development yeah. for sure. And then again, just to remind the listeners, the book, the compilation that Jason and I are co-authors in is called Breakdown to wake up, the breakdown to wake up, and that is available in paperback and ebook right now as we speak. Though, Jason, we have 14 fellow co-authors from all over the world, from five different continents, with stories much like Jason's of breaking down to waking up. Literally, some of them are that I've read so far. I've not read all of them, but they are tremendous, tremendous courageous tales and some of them will rip your guts out guys so it's it's a very very powerful very meaningful book and if you or someone that you know could use a real dash of hope and fortitude transformation it's breakdown to wake up so yes and and jason is one of the authors here so Jason, anything else that you would like to share today for for people listening out there? 
Well, first thing, uh, the holidays are here. It is that time of year. And I think sharing this book, Breakdown to Wake Up with Folks for the Holidays, will be a great thing because it's something mm-hmm. that could be transformational for you and for them. And in that sharing together can really bring you closer. And I think that's really the, the one thing I would impart is being open to allowing people to be who they are and working with who they are, especially mm-hmm. parents. This is something I coach quite a bit. Learn your, your, your small child is their uh, whole person. They have their personality, they have their likes and dislikes and things. And you can see that from them basically the time they're born until they leave the house. And if you can work with who they are and, and, and learn who they are, you can make your life and their life a lot easier. I know Thomas, Thomas and I had spoke about this a lot of times from our upbringing, the time that we grew up, there was this false idea that this child was this empty vessel. I need to pour all of my stuff in. And of course that vessel is already full. So there's resistance and, you know, things like that. So make your life easier, make their life easier, work with who they are. And especially now that you're going into the holidays and we may be having family get togethers, it might make your life easier to allow your family to be who they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And then allow everybody to be exactly who they are. And Jason, this has been a real pleasure. And I thank you so much for going deeper and sharing. This is exactly what I, I was hoping we would do today. And I know that people have gotten a lot out of this. So it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you so much, Tomas. This has been Jason B. Kendrick here on Decide to Transform, and I'm Tomas Garza. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you back on here again very soon. And everybody have a great rest of your day.